and he said it's not about liberty. And Brandon, that is all it's about. We've never had to act on our oath to the extent that we are right now because there are those who are trying to take away our rule of law government, our constitutional government. And the adversary is government overreach. Not the people, but the government, those that are elected are gonna have to push back that tendency of government overreach. And that includes government allowing businesses to take away the rights of the people. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative. Today, I'm joined by Deputy Speaker of the Tennessee Senate, Janice Bowling, representing Coffee, Franklin, Grundy, Marion, Sequatchie, Van Buren, and Warren counties. Janice serves as the second vice chair on Government Operations Committee and chairs the Joint Education, Health, and General Welfare Committees. She's a member of uh, the Joint Commerce, Labor, Transportation, and Agriculture Committee, Energy, Agricultural, Natural Resources, and Transportation and Safety Committees. Janice was recognized as the 2011 Statesman of the Year for the Congressional District 4 and has been involved as a chairman, board member, or member of many conservative Christian and civic organizations locally at the state level. I could not list them all because they are very numerous. And Janice is married with three children and seven grandchildren. And on a personal note, I have known uh, Janice for several years. Back, It really started back when I was helping Scott Desjardins defeat Lincoln Davis. And uh, I have admired your courage and your strength as you have fought for your constituents on all kinds of issues during the last 18 months. And you have led in the Senate uh, when we wish that so many others would have led instead. Uh, but uh, we've got a strong group. We've got a good movement. Some recent developments. I can't believe we're doing this on the heels of this. So Janice, thank you, thank you for coming to the program. Listen, Brandon, thank you so very much for having me. And thank you for doing all that it takes to get a program like this together. Uh, the good news, one of the results in large part, I think, to COVID, is that there are people across this state who are doing similar things to what you're doing, networking of grassroots people who are now letting their voices be heard because as you and I have known for a long time, good government is not a spectator sport. And so COVID has unfortunately brought some of the worst of government to the forefront by feeling like, and in actuality, having lost some of our civil, civil liberties and in exchange them for more of a uh, autocratic kind of one person unilateral government, which is not what we're accustomed to, which is not what our constitution requires for us to have. So this is a great opportunity for me and I really do thank you for making this platform available. Well, you're welcome. And I, I did it like so many because I was fed up of the lockdowns and so many of our liberties were not taken by Joe Biden. They were not taken by Democrats. They were taken by our own Republican Party. And I think people are slowly starting to wake up. I believe that uh, the electorate gave our leadership a lot more grace than they probably deserve. But that grace has kind of ran out uh, as people are, are wising up to what actually happened. So can you give us an update right now on, on where we are as it relates to corporate and private vaccine uh, mandates and liability, forced masking of children uh, and students in government schools and colleges, and also separations of powers. 
We did have a little bit of a recent development uh, from McNally and Sexton. Talk to that, please. All right, uh, the development, let's start right there, then back up a little bit. The development that just came out today was a joint statement released by them saying that they are working to put together a spe special session that will address the COVID-related issues, which you just enumerated, whether it's the mask, whether it's the mandates, the public-private, and all of those things have been taking place. The reason that that announcement was made is because there has been an accumulation of losses of our personal liberties, and these started last year when we all, for two weeks, we were in it together, and we were going to you know, shut down, everyone stay home, and then that will have shut everything else down with regard to the coronavirus. And there were many people at that time that became very suspect of the origination of this virus. And now we know for a fact, it was not from a wet market. It was probably engineered in Wuhan in one of their labs. It was in collaboration with, with Fauci in America. I mean, there's so many things that we know now to distrust this entire scenario that we would be deaf, dumb, and blind to sit back and say, oh, gee, you know, everybody's doing the best they can do under these unprecedented times. Because actually, last year was a cakewalk. This year has been unprecedented because this year seems to be the time when we're getting all of this push for the vaccine, push mandates for, for your own personal medical choices. And whether you are pro-vax or against vax or not sure yet, you have the right to make your personal choice. So this is about personal medical liberty that you're determining with your doctor. Last year during session, though, I was realizing, and as all people who were paying attention, I think, were realizing, we needed to go ahead and codify some things in Tennessee law during last the session, uh, the first part of the 112th General Assembly. So I had several pieces of legislation. One would prohibit a mandate for a shot by the public sector, which is any governmental entity, the state, the county, the city, a board, an agency, nobody could mandate the shot. And of course, that includes public colleges and public schools. And then the other part of another bill said that you could not mandate a passport. And another part of another bill was that these health departments would not have any unilateral authority to call for quarantine or masks or things of that nature. So a lot of these things I saw coming and tried to prohibit them up front. I was not able to get the private part of those legislative initiatives through the Senate Health Committee. They did not want us to quote unquote regulate private business. And that came from the governor's office as well and from the Department of Health. And of course, they really pushed back a lot on all of my bills. I was very grateful that a group, a large group of people, and a lot of them, I believe from Tennessee stands, came in support of the bill when I presented it that would prohibit the mandates on shots. And we didn't get all that we wanted when we went into that, I'll be the first to say, but we certainly got more than we had. And if we had not passed that legislation right now, we would be worried about schools mandating the vaccine. 
and I don't call it a vaccine. It's a prophylactic choice of, a, of an experimental shot. So, um, you know, truth is always uh, a clearing thing. It helps you to really understand what you're talking about. And so I don't even call it a vaccine because it isn't. It is emergency use authorization. When I was presenting that bill, I used the fact that it's experimental emergency use authorization. The Nuremberg Code prohibits any coercion of any human being from taking anything experimental. You could not be coerced in any way and you had to be fully explain the fact that it's experimental and fully explain what potential side effects could be. Well, of course, we know that's not taking place. And when I used that line in the presentation of that legislation, uh, one of the members of the committee, actually he was a Democrat on the committee, he said to the Department of Health doctor who was there, uh, did you hear what she just said? Tell her that's not true. And he said, well, we're working on get it to be FDA approved, but right now it's not FDA approved. And of course that made my case. That was exactly what we were saying <clears throat> that no one could uh, mandate the use of a, of a vaccine. And I'll go beyond that though, or, or of this experimental shot, but I'll say beyond that, whether it's experimental or not, that is a personal medical decision. If you've had COVID, you have natural immunity. That is much stronger than anything that's coming from the shot, as is evidenced by the fact five months, six months into the shot, they're saying we're going to need a booster. So it's not a durable immunity. And the messenger RNA experimentation for this kind of shot um, is unprecedented for this kind of thing. And so the, the person who invented the mRNA process, Dr. Robert Malone, you interviewed him. I did. And, now, and that was thanks to an introduction uh, by you. And it was one of our most popular interviews ever. And uh, it was so eye-opening and matter of fact, he did not have an ax to grind. Uh, when you would ask him a question that you hope would lean one way, if he didn't think the data supported it, he'd tell you the truth. And then you would ask him about, he was just very matter of fact, very dispassionately talking about facts and numbers. And uh, when it was a good thing, he said it was a good thing. When it was a bad thing, he said it was a bad thing. So thank you for connecting us there. You're quite welcome. And Dr. Malone, as you said, he's a scientist. He deals with truth. He follows the facts. He doesn't predetermine the facts and then try to create a narrative that supports it. I think it is outstanding what he has done excuse me, and the fact that he's made himself available to people such as us in Nashville. We had him there on a Zoom meeting and you had him to interview and we're trying to get him to come back into Tennessee um, and maybe meet with the governor or meet with some of the leaders of the Senate. But back to that, when I carried all the legislation I described earlier, they ended up stripping out every bit that affected the private sector. And that's where we're getting the trouble right now. The public sector, the governmental agencies cannot mandate the shot and they cannot mandate the shot for SARS-CoV-2 or any variant. So we're covered there. But the fact that the thing was we won't regulate business. Have you ever heard of the Department of Commerce and Insurance? It's I have. The state, 
Well, you know, the, the thing I would I would probably say to, to Governor Lee and to Cameron or into uh, to Randy McNally, because Cameron Sexton has really been the only GOP leader that's at the tip top uh, to really fight for this. And he's having to bring probably some of his own rhinos and his caucus kicking and screaming to the table. Uh, if we don't regulate business, then why do we need to get together to give five hundred million dollars to Ford Motor Company? That seems like a lot of government and private sector connection. That's that's half a billion dollars of regulation that we're giving away. If we don't regulate businesses in Tennessee, then by all means, let's cancel that thing. That's an astute point, Brandon, because the fact is we regulate businesses in Tennessee 24-7. Every business, who any person who's gone to get a license to do business in the state of Tennessee has to follow the rules of the state of Tennessee. And, and there are punitive things that can happen if you don't follow the rules and there are positive things. Now this, uh, we just learned of this yesterday that there's gonna be this special session called in order to go over the $500 million that um, has been promised to an international car company. Uh, it will be Ford Motor plus SK, I believe is the initials on a group out of South Korea. And, um, and they will be collaboratively having this plant at the, what has always been referred to as the Western, uh, West Tennessee mega site. Now they're referring to it as the Memphis mega site. So it is several miles from Memphis, but it is in West Tennessee. And uh, it has been in the works, that mega site, uh, 12 years. 14 years, I don't know how long since the land was bought and the process started, but up until recently, it did not have fiber to the premise. And those of you in Chattanooga know that that's very basic, that's fundamental. If you're gonna have an industrial part, you've gotta have fiber to the premise. I tell people, if you don't have an industrial part, but you say, we have electricity, we have lights, we have water, I say, well, then you've got an electrified cow pasture with running water. That is not an industrial site. And uh, it, it's just, it's common sense. So when we are now looking at what they're doing out there, I'm assuming they have put in fiber and they have finally figured out where the wastewater is going to go. I think they built a, built a pipe 30 miles to the Mississippi River. Um, but a lot of that was still formative. Now, what I have read with this business, they intend to have a zero carbon footprint, which, um, you know, carbon dioxide is not a product of combustion. It's a product of respiration. And you and I are filling these rooms with carbon dioxide as we speak. But, uh, but that, they said they will do that by geothermal, by solar energy, and by wind energy. Now, out on the plains, you get a lot of wind and you see those horrible wind farms. I don't know about West Tennessee. I don't know how much wind they have in West Tennessee, but those wind farms are kind of like the C-5, those who are familiar with the Air Force and that cargo plane that the people always had to take an extra suitcase when they went anywhere because they probably were going to have to spend several days before they came back because invariably they would break down. And the wind farms are very much like that. They break down a lot. There's a lot of maintenance involved. So, I, you know, I'm not excited that they're going to take 
six square miles and put in any wind farms and uh, solar farms and geothermal things, um, it's okay. It's their business. It's their prerogative. But um, that's nothing that. Yeah. Well, in many cases, it, it, it's not so much their business, nor do they make those decisions uh, based on the strict economics of the situation. They are so heavily subsidized with taxpayer money. Nothing is free. Everybody has to work for something that's free. And uh, they're getting subsidized likely from the federal government and obviously half a billion dollars from the state government. And I don't know, I've, I've ran several small businesses. Bill Lee has never called me. I've never got a call from, from Randy McNally saying, hey, buddy, let's pat you on the back for 20 years of, of putting people uh, in jobs and creating services and goods, nor do any of my other small business fans. I'm not really, it's hard for me to get excited about uh, crony capitalism and excited about corporate welfare. And it's sad, in my opinion, that the only thing that probably led to this special session finally happening was the fact that they were going to go up there and give away a lot of taxpayer dollars while their subjects uh, were being being oppressed. Uh, you think that that would have come first and not one thing led to the other, but it was the optics of the situation that pressed it, which is terrible that optics drive it instead of principle. But that's kind of what we have. Guys, it takes a lot of time, money, and effort to do what I do here at the Tennessee Conservative. And if you go to tennesseeconservativenews.com slash support, you can help us in the fight, and boy, do we ever need it. And you get two proud Tennessee conservative bumper stickers, and with this special session coming up, it's really important to have your hands on this handy-dandy contact list so that you can respectfully encourage your senators, and especially the ones that lean left that are Republicans, to do the right thing, even if they don't agree with it. Because a lot of them don't. They think you should just be just do what, you, what your government tells you and shut up. You need to contact them, okay? And we've got your state senators and we've got your state reps on here, and you can contact them. And if you give $50 or more, or if you give a recurring contribution, you will get this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. Proud Tennessee conservative. I know that all of you are. And uh, this special elixir that is created in here, you can put any kind of beverage you want to in here, and it will actually turn liberals conservative if you can get them to drink the whole thing. Uh, it also has to be pure grain alcohol because you have to like you know tampen down enough of, of the uh, in, you have to reawaken the inactive brain cells in a liberal's mind. And if you put it in this special magical container and if they drink from it, uh, those are the things that happen. They start talking like Thomas Sowell and Rush Limbaugh. It really is quite amazing. So if you'll give a donation of fifty dollars or more or a recurring donation, we'll send that puppy out to you and you'll get my sincere gratitude and undying thanks. Listen, I've heard it said that conservatives give conservatively and liberals give liberally. And uh, I have not found that to be true, but we could still use a little more help. A lot of times people consume publications like this for free, uh, organizations that are really fighting very hard and bearing a financial and a time burden to do what conservatives want somebody to do but can't do or don't have the time to do. So your donation allows us to do what you can, and we step in for you. So go to tennesseeconservativenews.com slash support. We could really use your help. So what practical advice? We've talked about the legislative history of this and how we could have dealt with it in general session, but some less than conservative Republicans killed a lot of these things that will now likely be enacted in some form. Uh, what practical steps can our listeners and watchers uh, take now that we know that a special session is very likely. 
Well, and I want to thank you again because I don't think a special session would be very likely if the people of Tennessee had not heard what was going on and did not have a way to focus their energy and focus their involvement in asking for a special session. You know that on um, uh, September the 8th, I had mailed a letter to all of the members of the Republican caucus in the Senate asking them to join me in signing on a, a special session because we were getting nowhere and I had attempted to talk with Lieutenant Governor and not been able to talk with him or communicate. But when I looked at this, I said, we, as we all realize, people are frustrated and suffering. The special session is urgent because the majority of Tennesseans are looking to us to protect liberty, which is currently being threatened daily. Again, please sign on to this letter as the first step in meeting the expectations and confidence Tennesseans have in the Tennessee General Assembly. And the things that I said needed to be, I thought, addressed were the, the mandates for shots, mandates for masks, which there's no medical rationale behind the mask. Um, people, you know, say we're doing this to show we're in it together, but we're actually harming our own health and certainly the health of children by requiring them to wear a mask eight hours a day. It suppresses their oxygenation. It decreases uh, their immune system's ability to fight off things. It can cause fungal pneumonia, bacterial pneumonia, and that mask, and you see them all over, the paper masks that have the little pleats, pale blue with the nose pinch. I have a box that they came in. It says, made in China, prohibited for medical use. And you see them all over the state of Tennessee. I'm sure our landfill have them by the gross. So uh, we were paying China once again in this whole scenario to provide something that had no medical benefit. So when you have allowed people this platform, it has made a difference. My letter went out. We waited. We gave close of business on the following Monday for people to sign or not sign. We only had four by then, but we then had a rally on Thursday, 11 o'clock at the, at the Capitol. And that notice only had two days because I wasn't trying to be heavy handed. I wanted the opportunity for everyone to sign on because I knew they were getting the same phone calls I was getting. And I knew from talking to people that it was becoming more and more of a crisis. Plus, timing is everything. The Thursday night that uh, right after the letter was sent out on Wednesday, that Thursday night is when the man in the Oval Office had uh, an address to the people that he was impatient with and that his patience was running out. And we've never heard such diatribes out of that Oval Office. It was flagrant. It was in our faces. It was insulting to the people of America, and he said it's not about liberty. And, Brandon, that is all it's about, because the liberty is why our oath of office, bottom line, so that we will not allow any bill, vote, or resolution which shall appear to us injurious to the people or consent to any act or thing whatsoever that shall have a tendency to uh, lessen or abridge the rights of the people as are guaranteed in the Constitution. That's our oath of office. We've never had to act on our oath to the extent that we are right now. 
because there are those who are trying to take away our rule of law government, our constitutional government. So now we are moving along. You have that um, release, that joint release today. That's a great, great indication that we're going to have a special session because I don't think they would come out there with that if they did not intend to follow through. Cameron Sexton, Speaker Sexton, has done a lot. He already has um, 72 people, I think, that signed. They only need 66 in the House. We are up to 13 or 14, depending on if you count um, a senator from your area. Bo he Watson, I met with him for lunch, and uh, we had a good conversation. And, you know, on the one hand, I understand, and I can, because I'm in business, right? And I, I coach businesses. Own my own business, and uh, I can understand a company not wanting the excess liability if there is a reduction in risk from somebody contracting a disease. It's an actuarial problem with insurance. Okay, I'm a big numbers guy, uh, but at the same time, we we've given them blanket immunity, and and my whole point is, if we're going to have liability, let's have it on both sides. Let's have it because okay, if you're an employer and you want to make it a condition employment, but if somebody has a adverse a medical reaction, if they have a miscarriage, if 10 years later we discover that all these people that you forced to be vaccinated for employment develop some kind of weird anomaly, or if they die, then you, you got to pony up. And I bet that would kill all of it. And the last thing I would add, it's funny or sad, depending on how you look at it, that if it weren't for Biden being so heavy-handed and mandating this, and if it hadn't been for Lee uh, and the rest having to come with their hands out uh, for, for Ford uh, to the taxpayers, we probably wouldn't be seeing people do the right thing. So it, in one way, it's it, I'm happy it's happening. In another way, I'm sad that it had to happen this way. Uh, I, I do not disagree with that analysis, Brandon. Uh, but I, I like to think that as so many people across the state have been praying, people across the state have been meeting together. People across the state have uh, talked about it in their churches and their civic clubs, uh, businesses. Uh, I'm hearing from every level of citizen, every different factor uh, in our uh, state, and everyone is saying the same thing, and that is a blessing. So regardless, maybe, maybe it's a good thing it was this hard because it has created the people to find out exactly what the Constitution says, what we're supposed to be doing, and they are standing firm as well they should be. We are not up there in a collegial fashion as they are in DC. You know, they're so collegial, they're worthless. We are there to represent the people of Tennessee. You enumerated my seven counties in my rural district. I have six different uh, representatives who work with me within those seven counties and uh, Chairman Cameron Sexton, uh, Speaker Cameron Sexton is one of them. So we all work well. We're working for the people. And when you've got rural counties, uh, there's a lot of helping them help themselves. I'm not for government handouts, but I am for government. If, if that hog's been roasted, I want some ribs for my district. I want to make sure that they get the ability to help themselves. I don't want them forever uh, having their hands out. But they, in many ways, the rural counties have been left behind, and we need to make sure that they can now help themselves. 
And that's what we're all about, working together, trying to get this going forward, uh, recognizing it didn't happen the way maybe it should have, but it might be a bigger blessing in the fact that the people have certainly become more engaged in this whole process. I agree. Um, It was a remarkable wake-up call for me. It got me out of six years of retirement and so many others that that were asleep at the wheel, uh, that were not engaging um, as they should have as a citizen and a conservative and a patriot. So uh, on the one hand, I'm I'm sad that any of this had to happen in Tennessee. But on the other hand, I think 2022, I think we'll have a different makeup in the House and the Senate because people will really have been able to see who the champions are and who the bench warmers are. And we can't afford bench warmers anymore. Uh, so I'm going to give you uh, the last word. And I just before we leave, I want to thank you for standing up. You and Terry Lynn Weaver, you really, you really did a good thing. I mean, you're standing so strong, and so many men should be. It takes a couple grandmas from rural Tennessee (laughs) to do what the the men should be doing. So thank you so Uh, much. Thank you very much. And um, I, as you know, am a strong conservative. And I was doing this because it needed to be done. And and I hung back. I was hoping those who are higher ranking than I am or somebody would step up. But I'm not going to wait back when this was time sensitive, and it's still very time sensitive. Still getting calls from people who are on the being threatened with losing their jobs. But go back to the people growing up together here, the the uniting effect this has when you have a common adversary, and the adversary is government overreach, not the people, but the government. Those that are elected are going to have to push back that tendency of government overreach. And that includes government allowing businesses to take away the rights of the people. And as you said, we met last year and gave these businesses indemnity in a special session. It's only fitting, as they would say on the mountain, that we're coming back together in a special session and saying we are going to remove that indemnity. If you're going to cause people and coerce people to take these experimental shots, then you're going to have to be responsible for any adverse consequences. And I think that will uh, alleviate a lot of the problem. But I think that we're going to come through this physically healthier if you're taking your D3 zinc and C and your carcetin. But if we're going to be healthier physically, but we're going to be healthier as a people, as a state, as a nation, because the battles are not over. We're, it looks like we're in for, as they say, the COVID long haul. But right now we have um, tyrannical long haul that we're gonna have to stand together against it and push back and not be afraid to speak up, speak out and speak the truth. That's all we've got to do. The consequences will be God's. I pray he shows favor to us. And I pray that we are all made stronger in our faith through this walk. Well, amen, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your time. I appreciate all of you that are watching out there. Do pick up the phone. Uh, Do send an email to all your representatives. Uh, Thank the ones that have signed on. Encourage them to uh, pass meaningful legislation that will uh, sunset executive orders that will restore separation of powers and will help people hang on to their liberties and freedoms, both medically uh, and, and financially. 
I'm Brandon Lewis with Tennessee Conservative News. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you next time.